here's the here's the example I use, which is if you go to a major league baseball game, uh, they're throwing the ball around before the the game. They're essentially playing catch. And if you and, and, and if you go to an orchestra, they have rehearsals where where they take care of this stuff. In the human endeavor inside business, very few people practice. I mean, you have billions of dollars on the line that these salespeople and managers are responsible for. What practice are you giving them? And I'm not talking about like a, a three-day you know, retreat and that's it. That's like going to the gym once and being like, I'm good. I'm good for the year. I just worked out. You know, it's like, so, so when you hone and practice your skills of listening, storytelling, communicating, all, you know, uh, uh, things like status, things like space, you start to develop a superpower. Hello and welcome to Year of the Pivot on the Beyond Networking Podcast. This season, we're learning from individuals and organizations who made monumental shifts in 2020 in order to keep their business alive and continue their mission. I'm your host, Brian Miller, an author, speaker, and consultant on human connection. Today's featured pivoter is Kelly Leonard. Kelly spent most of the 90s and 2000s as an executive producer at the world-famous Second City Theater in Chicago. He is personally responsible for hiring Tina Fey, Stephen Colbert, Amy Poehler, and Steve Carell. He also wrote Yes And, a book on creativity and collaboration in the workplace based on lessons from improv comedy and Second City in particular. In this conversation, Kelly takes us through Second City's pivot into virtual improv performances during the 2020 pandemic. We learn about the difference between improv and spontaneity, how to gain agency over our emotions, a brilliant exercise from his wife that you can do to achieve clarity and mental calmness in difficult times, why he describes COVID as a period of sway, and of course, he teaches us the yes and principle. This was a blast and an absolutely perfect way to close out a wild year of pivot stories. Check the show notes for all the ways to connect with Kelly. Head to yearofthepivot.com for the Pivot Power newsletter. Get notified when a new episode drops, the Pivot Pearl of the Week, and gain access to exclusive live streams, masterminds, and clubhouse get-togethers. And now I bring you Kelly Leonard. This episode was made possible by Riverside.fm. Capture full, high-quality, raw audio in up to 4K video natively and without any internet interruptions. That's right. Even if the internet blips out during the live call, your recording remains pristine. Head to Riverside.fm for your free trial and a big thank you for sponsoring Year of the Pivot. All right, Kelly, thank you so, so much for uh, finding the time to do this. I'm really excited to chat with you. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. I uh, Listen, let's just start with what are you working on right now? Like what's on your plate this week, this weekend? Oh, that's interesting. Um, uh, I have a number of things on my plate. 
Uh, I, uh, for the first time in my entire career, and I started Second City in 1988, to give you an idea of how old I am, and I produced uh, the theater from 1992 to 2015, uh, and then moved into sort of the insights and learning part of the business, um, I never got executive coaching. Uh, and uh, the entire leadership team at Second City, which is much diminished because of COVID, uh, but but we're we're moving forward and and we're for sale and there's so there's lots of different things going on. Uh, but I have been getting coaching and I have been blown away by how helpful it is. And it's not you know it's not a pretty exercise all the time. You know it's not great to hear the negative feedback. And I had both positive and, and negative feedback. But I, you know, it's 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 a, a dawned on me today. I said this to a colleague that it feels it feels like in many ways I was operating uh, in my various uh, careers at Second City with one arm tied behind my back, and I actually succeeded probably more than I I failed, which is great. But the freedom that comes with having both um, arms and both hands uh, to be able to use moving forward, um, recognizing that in this moment where we had to pivot um, from a entirely live organization to an entirely digital organization and recognizing that in the fourth quarter we were profitable with all the stages closed with none of the Turing productions happening with none of the F and B that's simply on the classes and the corporate work that we're delivering in the virtual spaces we, we covered the bills um, so uh, and and as we reemerge into the live we're bringing this along with us. And so it's very exciting to sort of feel like, wow, there, there, there's going to be both all that was good about life at Second City and then this whole new territory that we have uh, that allows us to, to speak to um, people who maybe would never have had the opportunity to, to hear or work with us. So uh, you covered all the questions I was about to ask. This was a great <laughs> interview. Thank you for being here. No, thanks everybody. Um, seriously, that that was that's an incredible overview uh, and so many things in there. Backing up to the executive coaching, that is yeah. that that's that's so cool because I have so I have I have many friends and colleagues who are executive coaches, and I know that you know it's easy. There the the proliferation of online kind of Instagram coaches who mostly yeah. are terrible and have no qualifications, I think has given coaching as a whole a bad name. But when you mm -hmm. find the right coach, uh, uh, a coach who can really help you solve your own problems and get into yourself and figure out what your, you know, your limiting beliefs are like that. I, you know, I, I, I know we're all kind of tired of hearing like limiting beliefs, but that's really the whole game or at least oh, yeah. most of it, isn't it? Yeah, well, okay, so two things that come to mind with that. Uh, one is when I told people I was going through executive coaching, they all assumed I was going to be coaching people. And I'm like, no, 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 right. no, no, no. It's not, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, but, you know, I've had a long career. I've, I've, I've dealt in, and I, I host a podcast where I talk to all these different, you know, uh, uh, strategic thinkers and innovators. Um, but what's interesting is if, if you dig into the science um, of this, and there's a thing called the Dunning-Kroger effect, which is basically the more confidence you have, uh, the less you know, uh, capable you likely are. Um, uh, and and I, that has just been widely true in my own experiences. Mm -hmm. And I also see it for myself, is that the biggest threat uh, to my personal um, spaces of innovation is my success because I start to do it that way over again because it worked for me. And people will give you space to do the same thing over and over again because it's easier for them. You know, we're, we're, we're not natural divergent thinkers. We like the patterns that we like. And, 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 and it's why so many people stay sort of successful over their career, even if they're just copying the same thing they, they did before. And when I sort of stepped down from producing uh, in 2015, after I wrote the book, Yes And, 
I didn't have a plan. But what I was doing was I was upsetting my own uh, thinking and allowed myself to sort of tap into creative resources that I didn't know were even there. And it, it was just like a month or two after I'd stepped down that Second City caught on fire and everything in my office got lost essentially, except for like five things. Um, again, like, you know, creativity is, is rooted in, in these moments of upset. And it really allowed me then to, well, I didn't have a space I was tied to and I didn't have a job I was tied to. Uh, mm. What does it feel to make my way in the world with everything I've learned and everything I need to learn? Um, mm. And I'm sitting here now six years later and I've never been happier in my job. That's awesome. I, I love that note that you had about um, doing something over and over again. Well, it worked, so I'll just do it again. It reminds me because I actually got my start, even though I the first 10 years of my career, I was a magician. I was mm -hmm. a comedy magician, which I know is, is a dangerous thing to say to comedians. <laughs> um, they're like, oh, we don't like them. We don't like them. They're not funny well, be worse or if good enough at magic. I think magician is above puppeteer <laughs> and, and, and way above mime. So you're good. <laughs> well, that that's that's right. You're right. What's better than a dead mime? <laughs> Nothing. Um, so in any regard, uh, I did get my start largely in comedy clubs. And so I actually, I was doing, early on, I was doing 30-minute sets of straight stand-up. I wanted to prove to myself I could actually do stand-up on its mm -hmm. own if I was going to be in comedy clubs. But I, I did comedy magic. And I remember the first time I ever did a straight stand-up set, first time open mic, six minutes, um, first Everybody, everybody should do it once to understand what f fear really feels like, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> to mm -hmm. really understand what it's like to have nothing but you and a microphone in a room full of strangers who are kind of hoping you'll fail. Um, yeah. Fascinating experience. But I remember killing the first time, which apparently I learned later is not uncommon, right? Because mm -hmm. the nerves, there's something about the authenticity of it that really mm -hmm. speaks to an audience. They get it. Um, and then totally bombing the next 12 sets. Yep. And again, not an uncommon experience, right? Because a young comic thinks, well, I'm just going to try to recreate what happened that first time. And it's like, it's no, it's because you were operating without a net the first time that it worked. And when you try to recreate it, it just something just doesn't click, right? Well, there's a, it's an interesting uh, difference between improvisation and stand-up comedy that even is, is uh, highlights your Point even more of how it relates to creativity and innovation, which is an improvisation. Uh, you're primarily you have a group on stage that you're working with, right. and you are perspective taking from the audience. You are getting suggestions from the audience. You are then improvising and, and taking the rhythms of what they're laughing at or not laughing at, and having that affect your your performance. My wife, who's a comedy professor, she runs the first ever uh, BA in comedy writing and performance in the country at Columbia That's College. Awesome. She talks about stand-ups need to do perspective giving. What they're learning is to how to show the audience who they are to, to then be allowed to be entertained by them, which is why if you look at uh, early stand-up sets by like Patton Oswalt or Amy Schumer or whatever, they're very self-deprecating. They're very much about like, here's all the things that I'm terrible at. Um, and, and then that becomes increasingly hard uh, when you become super successful, which is why a lot of comedians don't age well with their, with their material. Um, I will say, and I didn't love Seinfeld's last special, but I loved one line he had in it. Because at one point he says to the audience, he goes, come on, you and I both know I don't need to be here. And it was a, it <laughs> was a right. great tell on, on him. And it was like, oh, yeah. great. Okay, we have this mutual understanding and that it actually allowed me to sit through a, a mostly not very good uh, stand-up special. But it was yeah. one great joke. Improv is something that that I have... Well, it's interesting. I have no, obviously, 
when you say improv, let's maybe yeah. start there. When you say improv, you mean something, you mean something different than maybe the colloquial, colloquial, hate that word, mm -hmm. way, why would I choose it? Uh, way of, of saying, of, of the way that people talk about it, right? A lot of people think improv like, oh, kind of just like, Spontaneity. See your pants, spontaneity yep. off the cuff. Yep. Uh, so as a magician, now as a speaker, I have lots of improv with my audience that sure. respond in real time, but that's not what you mean by the the real art of improv, right? Right. No, no, no. It's a skill to be mastered, um, and that's that's the context in which I, I work. Um, I mean, essentially, improvisation is groups of people making something out of nothing, which is something that we all do every day. And when we speak of improvisation in the sense of how, what Second City teaches, and, and we do this not just for people who want to be you know, uh, great famous comedians, we do it for just hundreds of thousands of business people every year, um, maybe even millions. Uh, and, and the reason that we are, you know, people hire us into these spaces is because they, they recognize that, oh, like, you know, here's the, here's the example I use, which is if you go to a major league baseball game, uh, they're throwing the ball around before the, the game. They're essentially playing catch. And if you and, and, and if you go to an orchestra, they have rehearsals where, where they take care of this stuff. In the human endeavor inside business, very few people practice. I mean, you have billions of dollars on the line that these salespeople and managers are responsible for. What practice are you giving them? And I'm not talking about like a, a three-day you know, retreat and that's it. That's like going to the gym once and being like, I'm good. I'm good for the year. I just worked out. You know, it's like, so, so when you hone and practice your skills of listening, storytelling, communicating, all, you know, uh, uh, things like status, things like space, you start to develop a superpower. Um, and again, I, I often use the quote that, you know, um, if it can't be used for evil, it's not a superpower. Improvisation can be used for evil. It's, it, it's, it's the, what con men, you know, are so good at. You know, you, you often talk about con men, their ability like, oh, they're such good listeners. Like, yes, because they're trying to figure out how to swindle you. It uh, stands for confidence, man. Yeah, they yeah, earn your confidence. confidence. Yeah. So, yeah. but on the good side of it, you can use it to thoroughly engage with other human beings and open up and find your vulnerable self. But it's a sculpted thing. I mean, you're asking what, what I'm working on right now. I had this exchange with my friend Allison Holzer, who came on my podcast. She's a, a social scientist and an author. Um, and we, we hit it off. And we stayed in, in, in contact. And, and this week's podcast is with two academics who talk about the superpower of humor in business. And it's all data rich. They're Stanford professors. And she pointed me to an HBR article that said, yeah, joke telling uh, for men in their presentations, very effective. For women, not. Um, and then I saw that you see that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, of course that's true because misogyny, of course. Right. Um, but what, uh, I was talking to my wife about, she's like, yeah, but they're talking about jokes and joke telling is a very male dominated kind of thing. And most mm -hmm. female comedians don't just rest on jokes. There's kind of behavior and storytelling and all these other things. So the idea that, that Alice and I went back forth, forth with is, yeah, I get it. I, I, I understand the study. However, Humor is more than jokes. And if you look at, certainly, you know, my, my, my first hires at Second City into the Turing Company were Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. I mean, these are women who cultivated who? and crafted, <laughs> yeah, their, their uh, um, ability to be funny in, in just the, way better than any men who are around them and, and you oh, yeah. know, continue to. So I think that there's, like like everything, there's nuance to these conversations, and we happen to be living in a time where nuance is not something that people are seem tremendously interested yeah. in. Yeah, I 
I'm so curious though, because you, you talked about, you know, working with business people. And I think that's, and I could see a whole sense of, a real sense of pride as you were talking about yep. that pride. And also like just the, how cool is it to be able to take this art form that is entertainment based? And I don't want to say just entertainment, mm-hmm. but that can be used just for entertainment, but then take it to help people enrich their lives uh, far greater that to me that the second career I'm having as a speaker is I I got to take what I learned for 10 years on stages as Mm -hmm. an entertainer and now use what I learned the rise and fall of emotion and and tension and storytelling and all these cool things timing uh to actually take somebody to a place where their lives get better they don't they don't just lose themselves for an hour which in and of itself is valuable but there can be but I can get that from a movie too I can get that from scrolling on Instagram if I really want to if there's a good cat video that day right to be able to take something even further. So my question related then to kind of the whole reason that you and I are connected here, uh, the year of the pivot, yeah. as uh, as it were, is what are you seeing? I'm sure this is something you were working with these people on a lot mm-hmm. last year, the skills of being able to improv, to improvise um, in, in a tactical way, not just in an off-the-cuff yeah. way. How did you see that helping people in business, keep their business alive, continue their mission, make their big pivots and, and survive? So the year before the pandemic, one of we, we do a lot of work in academia, and I've got a program that I co-lead that started at the University of Chicago called the Second Science Project that looks at behavioral science through the lens of improvisation. And I was working with Yale, executive ed, on cultivating a program around improv with leadership, um, and we were we were sort of designing it, and then and then everything got got shut down. And the woman who was running exec ed actually left and joined a major soft drink company. And so the, we had just well, and and, and I had um, about a month, to, maybe six weeks before we got shut down. I had initiated a conversation with the people at Zoom. Uh, uh, I was not prescient. I was not like aware this pandemic was coming. I just was like, let's explore the space. There might be something there. So we were able to, to pivot quite quickly. And, and, and my friend who is now at the soft drink company, she's like, look, I need, we have a, this dispersed workforce. Um, uh, do you have anything on resilience? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. But we never delivered anything. So we, uh, the small group of us uh, got together basically twice a week and we just started trying stuff out. On, on Zoom. And pretty quickly, we realized that while it's not the same, um, we can take people through um, uh, the, the, this work um, and, and, the, and the new norms. And that, that's a big one because a lot of times what we're doing in our live work is sort of saying, you know, you got to think about this stuff sort of differently. And we're going to give you exercises where you, by doing them, you're going to feel the difference and, and understand that. So how do you do that in these online environments. And there's a uh, exercise we got where it's called count to 10. And we're in a room and we say to everyone, okay, uh, this group is gonna count to 10. Um, and the deal is anyone can say the next number, but if two people say the number at the same time, we go back to the beginning. So it can be a very frustrating exercise when you know you, you maybe get to seven and then two people say it or whatever. Um, and we realized, oh, this is actually perfect for like the virtual environments because people do have a hard time talking over each, each other uh, and they have a hard time sort of recognizing maybe there's some tricks you can use like putting up your finger if you want to speak or something like that that can help set these new norms in these new environments. So that was one of these exercises that like at first That's didn't great. feel like it was going to work in an online environment, but we did it in this resiliency workshop. And then that led to uh, a colleague of hers saying, hey, I heard that you had this great experience. Oh, I should say the other thing that we did was 
because Second City is an entertainment company as well as an education company, we also recognized uh, in these spaces that they need to come to life in different ways because we're kind of producing a television show. So we added a musical director um, uh, to every workshop. So when you enter our workshop, there is a playlist being played, a pandemic playlist, uh, and then uh, things are being covered on, on piano or, or other ways so that you're having, and, and it was interesting, my friend at the soft drink company was like, oh, by the way, we, we now have music hooked up for the beginning of all of our meetings, so when you're entering to the space, it's not cold. And that's yeah. just the stuff that you, you, know, you, you wouldn't know until you sort of get yeah. in there and you allow yourself to, you know, do some bricolage and, and just piece the things together that you thought you yeah. knew worked and maybe new things and you try those. Some of them work, some of them don't. You you improvise. Yeah. So what are the core aspects then have you seen of, of improvisation that these people, have you heard stories then of the folks who've done your workshop, they go back and they go, this aspect of learning improvisational skills helped me in this situation with yeah. this new virtual world or it helped me keep this client or reach our customers right? What have you heard? Okay, so a lot. Um, uh, first, there's a sense of liberation of like, oh, I don't have to just be like, you know, uh, see this as a, a, a doom scroll that I'm dealing with, you know, 24-7. Um, one of the most... Um, one of my favorite exercises, and, and I've had a number of people actually teach this to other people because it's really simple. And, I, and I, my wife gave it to me and it was for this, this, this resilience workshop. I asked her if she had anything that, that she was working on. She goes, oh, yeah, I do. Um, and she showed, it's called Wish. And you get someone to get a piece of paper, make three columns. In the first column, you write down something you wish you could do right now that you can't. So mine was like swimming in the salt water. And the second column, you write down the emotion you think you'd have if you were able to do that. And I wrote down refreshed. And then the third column, you write down, well, what is something you can do right now to experience that emotion? And I'm like, oh, put water on my face, go for a walk, work out. And the list actually was pretty long. And I'm like, oh, wait a sec. We have agency over our emotions. <laughs> and and you know, even when things are terrible, even when things are dire, we still have control over our emotions. So giving someone that sense of sort of liberation is just opens them up to the potentiality of any moment that they're existing in. I love that. And um, I may also need to borrow <laughs> slash that steal that for just the, give credit for to the college Libra. students. I work with a, what is it? <laughs> just give credit to Ann Libra, my wife. I will. I will. Mm -hmm. uh, no, seriously though. I mean, I work with a lot of college students, grad students, uh, and they're really struggling in the virtual yeah. space with all the normal stresses of college these days on top of how do we do this virtually? I feel like I'm not getting my money's worth. Is there going to be any industry to go into when I graduate? It's crazy amount of stress. Yeah. And um, that strikes me as an exercise that's so simple that any college student, young person could do that would be so beneficial. There's, um, it, I think these yeah. are the things that these are the, we, I, I've been doing a big thing lately. <laughs> my therapist and I were talking about this where, where I'm just writing more stuff down. I'm mm. writing more things down as a way to sort of like piece them through my, my brain. Um, my friend Heidi Brooks at Yale, who I was developing the course with, she has an exercise she does with her students on the first day of class whenever there's a new group getting together. And she has everyone take a piece of paper and write down some hurt that they're experiencing right now. Then don't sign your name, just fold the paper and bring them up. And then she just reads every single piece of paper. And the bonding element that comes within that group when they recognize that everyone's got some stuff, um, uh, everyone's just got 
and, and, and bad stuff. We all have really, yeah. really bad stuff we're dealing with. Yeah. Just knowing that creates a kind of human connection uh, yeah. that that is, I don't know, I mean, I, 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 I don't want to get too big here, but I do believe it's those are the spaces where this divided country uh, can find some healing when we just acknowledge the other person's pain. That is a great place for us to start. And it doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. And it doesn't mean that my pain is not worse than your pain or whatever. There's big issues yeah. discussed. But, but that simple act of real humanity, I think, gives us an opportunity for working together because we don't do this alone. There, there is no yeah. way we better this stuff by ourselves or in fighting clans. Yeah. That's that's why I love that word that was invented a few years ago, Sonder, S-O-N-D-E-R. It describes that feeling that everybody gets when you when you see a stranger and you realize just for a second that they have an entire internal life of their own that you know mm -hmm. nothing about and mm -hmm. that they're looking at you thinking the exact same thing, mm -hmm. right? That we have a, mm -hmm. a noise in the back of our head and everybody else has got a noise in the back of theirs. Um, that that if you just stop and think about that for a second, that's it's it feels impossible to treat people transactionally right. uh, after having that recognition. But I feel yeah. like we need to keep having that recognition on a regular basis. Yes. It's not enough to have it once because then you get back into your stuff. Yeah, well, that, that's it. That's the practice. The, you, we, the, these yeah. things are important. They're, they're, yeah. Our country's in peril uh, and, and yeah. we should practice just at the, yeah. at the mere minimum. That's fantastic. Um, I, I'd love to get a little bit more about your uh, your or Second City or, or if you want, mm -hmm. you know, combine those two, uh, your actual pivot last year. So yeah. March 12th to 14th, for yep. me, those are the 48 hours I'll never forget as long as I live. Yeah, I was supposed to go to South by Southwest. A bunch of us were, and we're like, oh, oh that yeah, got canceled. Yeah, there was a Friday, and uh, and then by by the Monday, we were told we were, we were shut down. Um, so, in addition to our pivot in the corporate uh, division, in terms of just getting online and starting to create, and then talking to clients and all that stuff, and basically not can't saying to people we can we can shift this to virtual, and some people are like, well maybe, or we'll hold off. Or, but we had very few cancellations, which, which was great. And I think people just, again, being improvisers, they trust us a, a little bit to figure it out. Um, yeah. the, the, the theater shut down. There was nothing we could do there. The training center uh, started jumping on. Uh, they first tried Google. That didn't work. Uh, it, 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 then they were on Zoom, and then I think we were on Canvas or something. So it was also finding the sort of technical solution to continue classes. And, and we kept about 80% of our enrollment across the wow. three cities. That Congratulations. Were. That's yeah. huge. So, so it was moving that stuff forward, and then it was sort of like, well, let's figure out some virtual shows. And so we started experimenting, and you know, one of my the most powerful experiences I had, which is I'm watching... Um, five of my, you know, uh, colleagues, performers, uh, do this, this show online. And then I'm looking at the, I think we had around 1200 audience members, much bigger than our theater in, in Chicago. Um, mm. and they came from all over the world. So people from Russia and China and Australia and Canada and the U S are all mingling in the chat. And it's like, Oh, this is like, so you started to discover new things. Like we, we discovered that the, so the ideal live cast for second city is six people. The ideal cast for a Zoom environment is four. 
That's what we, we discovered the tolerance for the human eye and the interaction, both uh-huh. doing and, 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 and watching. Um, yeah. The mu- music became integral. Oh, the, the, you know, the length of a scene at Second City can be anywhere from 30 seconds to, um, you know, seven, eight minutes. You know, we do not n- now go over three minutes on anything um, yeah. before, you, before you shift into, into some other thing. And then utilizing is- chat, too. Yeah. Is that the the lower attention span? We kind of all intuitively understand that we have lower attention spans when we're watching a screen. Is it because um, we're fatigued with being on screens all day or is it because the screen has also everything else in the known universe on it in the same place? That's so easy to just jump over if if a scene if you thought it was funny for the first few minutes and then you're like, OK, now it's just we're, we're tagging a little bit. We're start it's starting to wane just a little bit. If it's just so much easier to go, I'll check Instagram for a few minutes. Is that it? I you know, I, I I'd be lying to you if I said I had any data on this whatsoever. Just felt just, it, just it, it's, it felt is like that felt, was what was right. And and it was sort of a and, and a, a a thing that the audience agreed with us on as we saw over time in terms yeah. of like the things that were perceived of as successful. I actually, we, we had a, a, like a new year's party at second city for the people who are still there. And we had a mentalist on, uh, and the mentalist did this trick. Like every time he did a tr- we're on mute, but every time he finished his trick that, uh, he went unmute. So you could actually hear all of us go, what just happened or whatever. And I was like, oh, that I hadn't thought about that. And so, you know, it's also taking from different places and going, oh, great. We could unmute everyone to get the laugh that we don't get in these environments that we were just yeah. getting when someone was writing LOL in the chat. So you also just pick up <laughs> stuff as you go along. Yeah, I, I there there is something even a year later, having done 70 or 80 virtual events, both as a magician and a speaker, there is something admittedly still bizarre when you finish like a magic trick and your response is, wow, typed out in the chat or like, cool, or what, how'd he do that? And you're just like watching it come in and you're like, I'm doing magic to myself on a webcam. Yeah. Um, It's a, but, but you know what? But at the very beginning of this, people were sure that nobody would enjoy a virtual magic show. I had talked to so many people like, nobody's going to enjoy this. And I a year later, same people are saying nobody's going to enjoy this. I'm like, they've been enjoying it for yeah. a year. The, the, and yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. There's so much art that has come out in this period that I think uh, when we look back on it, we're going to be like, wow, the, 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 you know, people really innovated in the, in this period to, to create yeah. spaces where we can commune. And, and I've been, I've been part of, you know, I do a lot of talks and keynotes and that's sort of thing, but I've been on different kinds of panels and some of these things are just unbelievable. And I never yeah. would have done it. I, it, or, you know, wouldn't want to spend the money on airfare and, and hotel and all those sorts of things. And, and, and issues of equity, right? So, you know, if you were in a position where you couldn't leave your home or you live too far away or whatever, you wouldn't have access to a Second City class where actually right. now anyone who's got the internet can do it. And, and right. that's tremendous. Uh, I have just a few quick questions, three yep. quick questions to be specific that I ask everybody uh, who comes on this project for uh, so that we can figure out where everybody fits within the context of all these different stories. The first one I've been told is the hardest one uh, okay. from having done this dozens of times. I don't suspect you'll have too much trouble with it. Okay. Uh, but feel free to take a second to think and I will cut out any super long or awkward pauses. Unless it's particularly funny how long you take, in which case I will most definitely leave it in there. <laughs> all right, great. Um, how would you describe your 2020 in one word? Sway. 
What did you say? Sway. Sway? Mm-hmm. Like like this? Like sway well, like back and ways. forth? <laughs> uh, I just got introduced to two things. Uh, Kara Swisher has a new podcast uh, of, that she's doing for the New York Times, and it's called Sway. Uh, and right. the song that introduces it talks about when you walk in the room, do you have sway? Um, huh. I was also just introduced to um, the term work-life sway uh, as opposed to work-life balance. Um, and so for me, what I'm picking up by all those uses is learning to pivot, learning to yeah. twist, but also um, uh, some, it, it's okay if it's false uh, confidence. It's like, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of science around uh, fake it till you make it. Um, yeah. And in this period, when I think about um, what this is sort of meant to me, it was the sway of like, no, I, I can do this, even though I'm the most I am not technically minded human being. It is <laughs> very funny to my colleagues that I was in the one division that was able to like move this sort of successfully through <laughs> media and, and things like that. So, so when when you gave it to me, I, I was like innovation. Uh, that seems like everyone says that word. And then I was like, no, there's something that's the personal meets the professional, and that's why I, I thought it was why. That's, that's awesome. I, I learned a new thing. Uh, I had not heard that term being used uh, in that way. And I love that because before we hit record, you and I were chatting a little bit about our mutual friend, acquaintance, yep. hero kind of guy, Seth Godin. And when he came on my podcast, and I know he's been on yours uh, a couple of years ago, I asked him about balance. It was a year when I was struggling most with balance in my mm -hmm. life. And I asked him, how do you, because he's done it all, right? The family, yep. the work, it's unbelievable. And, and I said, how do you how do you do it? How do you achieve balance, life, work, art? And he said, balance is a tricky word because there's no such thing. There's just time. Mm. He said, there's just where you are and what you do. Yeah. yeah. Right? And, and so you're, it was such a perfect way of conceiving it that your work life, your home life, they're not two different lives. This is no. your life. You yeah. do both of those things in your life. So mm. I, I love sway. I love that. <laughs> it's really good. Um, what characteristics or personality traits of yours would you say, this, this may be an obvious one, would you say were most crucial or critical to your survival this year? This yeah, year? I mean, the, the you know, uh, uh, agility. Um, yeah, the, you can say improv. <laughs> it's, it's improv. I mean, you know, it, yeah. I, I've long, you know, this has been my life's work has been leading to a place where I am a evangelist for um, uh, your, your, um, living your improvised self. Um, and yeah. which means that through practice and skills building and listening and integration, yeah. crucially, um, uh, and, and knowing that you know nothing, you know, and, yeah. and, that, and, that that, and that's a gift. The, the gift of being able to walk in the room and not assume you're the smartest one or that you can't learn from someone else. Um, yeah. Before I got this coaching, there, there was a, I was um, asked to do uh, a, a quasi TED talk uh, for this healthcare initiative. And uh, along with it came a person who was going to coach you uh, through stuff. And I've done like four TEDx's and I speak at, at major conferences. And I got a little in my head, like, what do I need this person for? But I have this sort of truth teller friend, Jenna at Second City, who I will go to to keep me in check. And I went and I sort of told her about the situation. She's looked at me like, oh, because you have nothing to learn from anyone else. You're that like, and I'm like, thank you. Um, and so... <laughs> I took the coaching. It made that my talk way better, and I'm mm. now lifelong friends with this human being. <laughs> like we just hit yeah. it off. So it's that 
it's that sort of, you know, you've got to be humble. Uh, uh, there's a great phrase that um, Dan Pink said to me, but it comes from Carl Wyke out of the University of Michigan, University of Michigan, and it's fight like you're right, listen like you're wrong. <laughs> that's that's so good. Dan Pink said that. Yeah, it's Carl Wyke, who's a, pr- a professor yeah. at the University of Michigan. Yeah, okay. Said it to yeah, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan, Dan uh, seems like I've never met him. He's he's actually one of the the guests I've always wanted to to get. Not that I've ever invited him or tried to, but he's like in my head. Like I love his work. I have I have many of his books. If not yeah, all he's of them. he's a big Second City fan, and he's been on the show. And he we, is, we, yeah. he's awesome. He, he mm-hmm. is such a uh, he. I I really enjoy about his work that he has he has the ability to do m- many like keynoters and people mm-hmm. like TED people. They're very entertaining, great stories, but not a lot of science to back it up. Um, right. He manages to have both. He has the research. He has the data. He's got the stories. He's got yep. um, swag on stage. He's 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 okay. swagger. He's really yeah, he's great. He's great. Um, and the last question I'm asking everybody again, you kind of answered this because you're so thorough. But what is your outlook at this point on the future of your business on Second City? It's going to be different. Um, one of the things that we're talking about is outfitting at least one of our theaters so that it can be hybrid with regard to a live show that can also um, be beamed out into the universe. Um, Prior to the pandemic, um, the theatrical unions, Actors' Equity Association, basically made the conversation about whether you could um, uh, broadcast like Broadway or, or other theater, that, that was an impossible conversation. Contractually, it's, 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 it was so complicated. And now they're like, they're, I think everyone sort of realized that there's a world in which we just can never go back to squeezing people in like we squeezed people in before, tight comedy clubs, that sort of thing. And so what are we going to do? And it's like, well, there's, there's other opportunities of if we have to have a smaller house and, and we're a 300 seat theater in our main stage in Chicago, I could make that a, a, you know, 150 seat theater, but have another thousand, 2000 tickets on sale for anyone in the world who wants to come to second city. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. I think that I'm not worried, uh, that we'll never enjoy live things together in crowds. Uh, but I do understand that, um, we're never going to be able to put the genie back in the bottle. And if from, from yeah. the science I've read, there's going to be future worse pandemics. And we just, you know, yeah. now have to recognize that sometimes we got to be able to shut off the faucet and then still begin to still be able to, you know, have, have some water. Right before you, do you, do you have two more minutes? I'm good. Before? Yep. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. Uh, because it just occurred to me that you and I got into such a good, easy flow conversation so quickly, so early that, just in case there's somebody listening who is not familiar with yes and as mm-hmm. a principle at this yeah. point, I'm sure they can kind of figure out what it means. But can you give us the one minute version and how it might apply to anybody listening to this who wants to be more resilient, better prepared for their next pivot, capital P? Yeah, I mean, the reason we yeah, the, my book, um, which is about how we take improvisation in, into business, I co-wrote it with Tom Jordan, uh, who used to run our corporate division. Uh, it was originally called The Revolution Will Be Improvised. Um, uh, sort of reference to Gil Scott Heron, if even older than than our earlier <laughs> conversation, uh, and uh, and Harper Collins liked it until they took a, a workshop and we taught them the idea of yes and and they're like that is the stickiest concept that needs to be the title and essentially when I've mentioned groups of people are making something out of nothing, you get nowhere if you don't have a script. You get nowhere by saying no. You're not going anywhere, and you actually don't get that far by saying yes. 
we say you have to say yes and. You have to affirm and contribute, and that allows you to explore and heighten ideas. Um, when you yes and, you are not judging. When you yes and, you are not blocking. When you yes and, you can go to ridiculous spaces that you never would have gotten to because someone would have stepped in and stopped the fun. And when we're leading the exercise for people to do it, we have them pair up and try building something, we, we say like a reunion, uh, by saying no to each other, nothing happens, and yes actually doesn't get them far. But when they yes and, these reunions, they're having like sushi on the moon, and we're like, I'm here to tell you that the greatest scenes I ever saw developed at Second City seemed impossible and ridiculous because the yes and went to places that you know you just like you don't normally go and that's the point uh we sh we shut ourselves off um we believe we don't have agency um and and we we just limit ourselves over and over and over again and we just don't have to uh and so yes and becomes a way to sort of um, s say it in sort of early stage um, uh, training. Um, you will never, ever uh, see an experienced Second City performer actually say the, the words yes and, uh, because then becomes a mindset. It's not about the words yeah. at all. And I want to tack one more thing on. When we were, uh, uh, we started this thing at the University of Chicago where uh, behavioral scientists and our sort of improv experts would get together every week in a lab. And we developed, we did research, we did executive education programs still going on today. One of the things that we taught them was yes and, and they said this is great, but what happens when you have just a conflict that you can't you know, resolve, that you really can't yes and from? What's, what's the cue there? And they went away and looked at the research, and then we looked at what that cue might be, and we came up with it, and it's, it's thank you because. And the idea here is if we're in disagreement, like let's say you're anti-vax, and I'm not, um, but I need to stay inside this conversation. Um, I need to thank you uh, sincerely for sharing your information. Um, and the because part is crucial. I need to find something that I am actually in agreement with you on. And it could be like, thank you, because I, you do not want your child to get hurt. That's why you don't want to vaccinate them. I don't want my child to get hurt. That's why I want to vaccinate them. So we actually are agreeing on the main point of this thing. So let's stay inside. Um, and we've tested this, and there's going to be a paper coming out probably next year or late this year, which shows the tremendous success this has to keep people inside conversations that otherwise they wouldn't have stayed inside. That's awesome. I love the thank you because that mm -hmm. is such a great uh, that's such a great way of of verbalizing and and imagining that mindset of uh, kind of tactical empathy because I think yeah. a lot of people get really hung up on the like you said, but what happens? I know I'm supposed to find something and agree, but what if I really don't agree with this person? How am I ever going to connect with them? Find the yes. And I, yeah, there's yeah. a yes inside there some somewhere, and 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 it's about it's if you enter into these spaces with gratitude, um, uh, it's to our earlier point of seeing each other as as human. Let's take that a step far, far, further. Let's let's look at that that we can be taught by this person that they have something yeah. of value to give to us. I don't think I've ever met someone who didn't wasn't capable of teaching me something that I didn't know. And that's just a it's hard it's hard to maintain that 24/7, but it's a better way to live. Yeah. Well, it can be an ideal even if we never really achieve yeah, it, right? There you I go. mean, that's mm -hmm. that's the whole idea. So, uh Kelly, I can't thank you enough for this. Such a fascinating conversation. People want to go find you, connect with you or if not you then your work, where should they go? 
Well, okay, so secondcity.com has all things uh, uh, Second City, and my podcast is there, Getting to Yes And, which is also at WGN Radio. And then I'm KL Second City on Twitter, and then uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. And I post every week and different research and different things that, that we're uh, doing. So, yeah, come come follow. Amazing. Well, I will have all that in wherever this ends up, show notes, description below, above, wherever yeah. we are on the internet. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. And we will uh, we'll stay in touch, I'm sure. Thanks, Brian.